Hello, church. Here we are in week three of online gathering as a church. And one thing I have uh, concluded is, man, I really miss you guys. I, I miss seeing your faces and talking to you. There's a really interesting dynamic um, of just Christians gathering together for an hour or hour and a half or whatever it is just to worship together. It's a powerful, powerful dynamic, and I miss it, and I can't wait till we get to gather together again and worship as a church family. But until then, thanks for letting us into your living room or your RV or your car or wherever you are watching this video. We're so glad you're, you're here watching us. Um, I want to pause real quick and just give a shout out to the best staff um, a church has ever had. I want, there is no other staff, no other group of pastors and people I would rather be going through this crisis with. Uh, there's no one else on the planet I would rather do this with. Um, Amanda has been just tirelessly making sure that the emergency daycare is meeting needs, and it has been a huge, huge blessing. She's working really hard to send our families, some activities and some thought-provoking things that you can do with your kids. And I know you guys have, have been using those, and I know it's been a blessing to you. Man, Keith, who is our associate pastor, has been, um, he has become the Zoom master. If you don't know what Zoom is and you'd like to have a meeting or you'd like to have a circle group or uh, there's a birthday party going on Zoom this week, um, it, it's an online meeting platform. And man, Keith has taught us and lots of churches and other people how to do Zoom. Keith always asks, asks the right questions, and he asks the difficult questions, and he's so good to keep us on track and online. I appreciate him. And then Mike, uh, man, Mike has had to be so flexible and just retool everything he's, he, he normally does. Uh, he's worked so hard to make sure that these videos that we send you guys are good, uh, as good as we can make them. And honestly, because he's been doing this for the past five or six years, his persistence and his patience um, we are way ahead of the curve than most churches when it comes to learning how to do this online and making sure it's good. So, man, I'm so grateful for those staff. Um, I hope you'll take a, a minute or two. just want to ask you if you would do this. Just take a minute or two this week and send one of those guys um, a, just an encouraging text or call them or drop something off at their house. A little bit of encouragement goes a long way, and these are weird, scary times for pastors, and they could really use some encouragement. I know they'd appreciate it. Speaking of encouragement, I am incredibly encouraged um, by you guys, by our church. You guys have been amazing. So many of you have been quick to offer help and quick to donate resources and quick to give your time and your energy and to do things that are out of your comfort zones. I hear great stories of you helping people and just serving people, and it's just so encouraging to hear those things and to see it in action. And I believe that at the end of this crisis, our church will never be the same. I, I really believe that we will come on the other side of this more unified, more streamlined, and, and more able and willing to serve our community than ever before. I'm so excited about the future of our church, where we're going, and I truly believe that our next days are going to be our best days. Um, I, I said at the very beginning of this crisis that our church in particular was uniquely suited to not just survive this weird crisis, but to thrive during it because it's part of our DNA to be helping, to be hardworking, and to be generous. That's just who you are. You are the most hardworking, helpful, generous people I have ever had a privilege uh, to, to serve with, to work with, to pastor, and um, I'm just so proud of you. Um, you're making a difference. And uh, people are taking notice, and I know God is glorified by all that, and I appreciate you. Uh, I also want to say uh, thank you for your incredible generosity 
during these uh, fi- uncertain times, your, specifically your financial generosity. Um, for us, listen, as a church, money is never the bottom line. Money is not the bottom line at a church. Money is just a tool that helps us carry out our mission uh, where God leads us. Um, money is the tool that we use to complete our vision and our mission to lead people to follow Jesus. And so I just want us to celebrate a month of great giving on your part. Um, let me just kind of break it down for you. You gave almost $50,000 to our regular budget, just the general budget. Um, and I believe I'm correct in saying that's the best March we've had in at least a decade. And I think in the last 15 years, 15 marches I've been here, that's the biggest March we've ever had. Um, you gave a little bit over $4,600 to pay on our building mortgage. Uh, our, our monthly payment is 3000 and you've exceeded that. You gave almost $3,000 to help one of our widows take care of her mortgage, and we were able to pay off that mortgage so she can be at home and not have to work. It was a great, great offering. You gave um, over $5,130 to our emergency daycare, and when you add all that up, that's a $65,000 month of giving um, at our little church, and that's just so amazing. I'm so grateful for you. When you're faithful to give, our church gets mobilized, it gets energized, and we get to carry out our mission. And I want to give you an example. Every time you give, a small percentage of that gift goes to a little fund that we call West Main Missions. And we use that money specifically um, to help fund our overseas missions, our nationwide missions, the local missions projects we do around town. We have a small missions team that oversees that money and that ministry. And last week, one of those missions leaders, um, I guess, saw on Facebook or heard somewhere that our city was about to cut the water off of 23 different families who hadn't or couldn't or didn't pay their water bill last month. And so he called me and he said, Pastor, 23 families are about to have their water shut off when we are supposed to stay home and wash our hands all the time. And he said, regardless of the circumstances that led to them not paying their bills, We cannot let 23 families go without water, of all things, water during this time. He said, we've got the funds to help. What do you think? And I I had no argument against what he said. I said, I think that's a great idea. I think that's a great statement of generosity and grace. I think our church family would buy into that 100%. So within an hour, our missions team delivered a little bit over $3,700 to the city and 23 families have water this month because you guys have been so generous. When you give faithfully, we get to express our faith in generous ways like that. And I think it speaks to our community how much we love our Savior and how much we love them. And I just want to thank our, our missions team for taking care of that and being the hands and feet of Jesus and passing out some water to some people who desperately need it. So, cool. Okay, all that's free bonus material right now. I'm going to do something a little bit different. Usually what I do is I take one scripture, one specific moment, and we break it down and we try to pull out the one bottom line. Um, But we're not going to do that today. Today, I want to give you seven truths to hold on to. Seven truths to hold on to during a crisis. That's right. It's a seven-point message. But don't worry. Next week's message, if you can hang in there, will be pointless. If you're not laughing, you need to laugh because that's a great preacher joke right there. Come on. Anyway, seven truths to hold on to. Here we go. Number one, not everything I hear is true. Not everything I hear is true. This is true in any crisis that you will face 
in your life. In fact, this is just true of most things in your life. Not everything you hear is true. Just two weeks ago, there was an actual survey, and the results of the survey said this. 38% of Americans believed that you got coronavirus from Corona beer. That was an actual survey. That's really what we thought, 38% of us. So you have to bank on this, that not everything you hear is true. Not on Facebook, not on Fox News, not from your friends. Not everything you hear will be true. Have you walked in on kind of a dueling experts conversation when it comes to this crisis? So many conversations, and uh, I I just hear different things all the time. You know, I, I heard that it's a virus created by the Chinese government to destroy America. And then another person said, well, I read in an article that said the American supply of toilet paper comes from, J- from China and they have deliberately tainted our supply with toilet paper and that's why you need to be hoarding what we have now. Not everything here is true. So be very careful who you listen to. King Solomon used the word prudent. He said, every prudent and self-disciplined man acts with knowledge, but a closed-minded fool who refuses to learn displays his foolishness for all to see. Be careful who you listen to, church. Be informed, but not influenced. Not everything you hear is true. Number two, this will pass. This will pass. Whether... We're talking about this crisis or the next crisis we face or the next painful situation you're in or the next thing you struggle with. Whatever it is, it will pass. It has an end. It has a beginning, it has a middle, and it has an end. Jesus promised us that while we were still alive on this world, we would face all kinds of trials, all kinds of difficulties, all kinds of struggles, And Peter, who heard Jesus say that firsthand, wrote a letter to his friends, and he just wanted to remind them, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Didn't Jesus warn us about this? He says, so don't be surprised. Instead, be very glad. Find the good. Look for the God moment in this crisis. Be very glad. For these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. This will pass. We're all going to get through this with the help of our Savior. Number three, unchanging is greater than changing. Unchanging is greater than changing. Our world is changing every day. Um, Sometimes every hour something changes. The way we shop has changed. The way we worship together has obviously changed. The way we interact has changed. Uh, Most of us, if we're honest, we don't like change, especially if you're a Baptist. Am I right? You know I'm right. We don't like change because change makes us uncomfortable. So we need to focus on what is unchanging. When everything is changing, focus on the things that don't change. Here's what never changes. Jesus. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our Savior will never change. He is unchanging. If you will keep your eyes on him, if you will look for him in the scripture, look for him in your struggle, look for him in this crisis, look for him in all of your experiences, he is the one thing that will never change. 
For 15 years, one of the things we've been saying in this church over and over is the message of the gospel never changes, but the methods constantly do. The methods that we use to teach the unchanging method, uh, message are always changing. That's why you're sitting in your home or RV or car, wherever you are, and you're doing worship, you're having church on a phone, an iPad, a computer, a TV, because the method has to change sometimes, but the message of Jesus never does. Hold on to his message, hold on to his truth, hold on to that which will never change. That's our savior. Unchanging is greater than changing. Number four, known is greater than unknown. And there are a lot of unknowns right now. Will I have a retirement account? Me personally, I don't know anymore. Uh, what will the price of oil do in the next month? Who knows? What if you get the virus? What, what if things never go back to normal? There's so many unknowns, and there's probably unknowns in your life, your whole life. When you are burdened with the unknowns, just focus on what you know. Here's what we know, and we know. We know, we know. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Here's what we know for sure. That God will take this whole thing and he'll turn it into something good. That's what he does. He is the master. He, he, he over and over and over takes something bad and turns it into something good. So my encouragement for you is don't dwell on the unknowns. Don't be burdened by the unknowns. Don't be depressed by the unknowns. Just hold on tight to what you know, and what you know is that God will make this good. Number five, God is with me. God is with you. God is with me. Sometimes it just helps to say that out loud so your ears hear your mouth say what your heart needs to believe. And so I'm going to tell you on three, we're just going to say this out loud together. Wherever you are, at home, with your wife, with your kids, whatever, I'm going to count to three. We're just going to say these four words out loud together. Don't mumble them and don't whisper them. Let's say them out loud so our ears hear our mouth say what our heart needs to believe. Are you ready on three? One, two, three. God is with me. The prophet Isaiah reminded the people of Israel, do not be afraid. This is God talking. Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And then he promises this, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. God is with us. Jesus promised he would be with us till the world ends and that he would never, ever leave us. You might be home alone. You might be sequestered or quarantined alone, but you are not alone. God is with you. Number six, this is not the end. Okay, this is not the end of your story. This is not the end of our story. This is just maybe the middle or the end of a weird chapter in our life. It, it's not the end. Listen to what Paul told his friends in the Corinthian church. He said, we are pressed on every side by troubles. We are, we are not crushed. We are perplexed, 
but we are not driven to despair. Now, these were people who were being rounded up and killed for their faith. And Paul's saying, we're not being crushed and we're not in despair. We are hunted down, but we are never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we get up again. He never gonna let me down. It's okay to laugh. <laughs> we get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. You can laugh at me. I know I'm a, I'm a weirdo. Uh, we get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. This is not the end. We are in a valley, but this won't always be the valley we walk through. God will walk through this valley with us. He will see us to the other side, and he will lead us up for some mountaintop experiences and perspective one more time, ten more times, he will take us through this valley. This is not the end. And number seven, seven truths to hold on to. The last one is that God wants to empower me and my church family to help others. Anytime there's a crisis, God wants to do more than just get you through the crisis. Anytime there's a struggle, God wants to do more than just help you get through the struggle. He wants to empower you, authorize you, and use you as his follower to help other people get through the crisis too. This is what God has done with his people throughout history. He has worked through his people to help other people overcome and to come to him. In the Old Testament, that was the people of Israel. That was their calling in the New Testament, that's the church. That's our calling. Jesus told the disciples, speaking to Peter specifically, he said, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, little rock, like pebble or skipping stone. You're that kind of rock. And then Jesus pointed to himself and he said, And upon this rock, the, the gospel rock, the foundational rock of truth, on that rock, I will build my church. And the powers of hell will not conquer it. Jesus is building a church. And there is no power on earth or below the earth in hell that can defeat what Jesus is doing. The church Jesus is building is not a building. It's a people who embrace the truth that we exist to carry out his mission in our community. I've been saying this for a month and I'm going to keep saying it because it's the truth. Five years from now, this will just be a story that we tell. This whole coronavirus crisis will be a story that we tell. Let's make sure that we are telling a story worth remembering. When this is all over, Americans, artisans, we are going to remember. We're going to remember how companies treated their employees. We're going to remember how bosses treated their workers. Um, we're going to remember how churches retreated or how churches scattered in their community and helped. We're going to remember how Christians behaved. We're going to remember how Christians behaved on social media. We're going to remember how Christians behaved out in public. We're going to, remembers, we're going to remember our neighbors and what they did or did not do during this crisis. And so I want to say to you, church, this is our moment. This crisis is our opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus and to continue to tell a beautiful story 
of love, of grace, of generosity, of faith, of service, of sacrifice. Church, I want to beg you. I want to implore you. uh, I want to challenge you. Let's make sure we write a story worth telling. That we're telling a story worth remembering. Jesus follower, make sure your decisions, attitudes, and actions are writing a story that points to Jesus and that you'll be proud to share someday. I'm going to pray for us, and when I'm done praying, um, there will be some questions that will pop up on your screen. It's called the Talk It Over Questions. I think you'll have about 10 minutes to look at those. If you want to take a screenshot with your phone, uh, push pause on your player, that would might help you out. But the reason we put those on the screen for you is we want you to do something with this service that we've just had together. We want you to talk about it. We want you to apply it. So if you're all alone, go ahead and push pause and just kind of review these questions in your mind. If it's just you and your wife, go ahead and talk these things over. If it's your family sitting there, talk these things over. Just take a few minutes. One of the things my circle group does, and yours could too, is um, tonight at 5 o'clock, we will all get on Zoom together, and we'll answer these questions. We'll just check in with each other, pray for each other, and and talk over these questions. Um, It's important that we take what we learn, and we not just stick it in our brain, but that we internalize it, and then we externalize it. We do something with it. So I want to challenge you to just spend a few minutes with these talk it over questions. Until then, church, we love you. We love the stories we're hearing. Um, We love what you're doing. Let's make this a story worth telling. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this church family that you are building. This is your church, no one else's. And you are building not a building. You're building a people. And I thank you for a generous people, for a hardworking people, for a faithful people. God, give us opportunity to point people to you to lead people to you, to share your love and your grace with those in our community that need it most right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.